co-host Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here coming to you after two victories for the Purdue men's basketball team over Nebraska. And just about three hours ago, a thrilling finish over the Michigan State Spartans at the Breslin Center in East Lansing. Uh, so Purdue 2-0 and since we last spoke. We're going to cover those games. But since the Nebraska game was so long ago, we're only going to cover that one briefly. So got to have something to talk about. So Ryan, I have got a good question for you. Are you ready? I think I am. My okay. heart rate is back down from that game. <laughs> yeah. See, um, <laughs> so little tangent. I love, so I have an Apple Watch. I love looking at my Apple Watch uh, heart rate measurements during stressful basketball games. <laughs> um, you know, uh, because my, my normal resting heart rate is like low 60s, and then it just, sitting on the couch, it jumps up to like 80-some, and that was just today. I, I remember, mm-hmm. gosh, it might have been the St. Peter's game, or even the uh, a game against like Tennessee in the in the NCAA, you know, those few years ago, mm-hmm. where it was just like way up in the hundreds. As, just, as oh, yeah. I'm just sitting on the couch. So those those are always fun to look at. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Boilermaker fans can relate to that, especially with the way this team has been playing close, close games again and again and again. Yep. Rest assured, you are not going into cardiac arrest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing they don't automatically like notify the hospital. Otherwise, a lot of Boilermaker <laughs> fans would be getting ambulances to their doors. So, <laughs> all, all right. So heart rates aside, last podcast we talked about our favorite disney movies non-pixar edition so today the logical choice is favorite movies pixar edition and again i'm going to make you go top three but i want to go again from three to one so i don't know if this is something you can do offhand or if you need me to go first oh i can definitely go first okay (laughs) yeah um all right there's usually i usually go with these three um, number three, I will go Ratatouille. Good, excellent choice. Mm-hmm. Number two, The Incredibles. Oh, love The Incredibles. And number one, Toy Story three. Toy Only Story three, one. excellent. Yes, it uh, should have ended at three. That movie, it, it just—it's unbelievable how that movie will make you cry. Mm-hmm. You're like these are these are toys. That aren't even like toys we know, because they're not like real toys that maybe you have an emotional connection to from your childhood. They're completely except made Army up. Man. Complete well, except Army Men. Completely made up, and you're just bawling when they grab hands in the incinerator. Uh-huh. I mean, is there a it's, sadder is there a sadder cartoon movie scene than that? I mean, we talked about the Lion King last time. Yeah. There's also a Bambi movie. Well, true, true. Disney, it, so, Disney just loves loves to uh, break hint, your heart. Well, break your heart, but also hint at murder, murder your parents. You know, typical Disney tropes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I will say, I also have an honorable mention. It's Cars. I okay. absolutely love Cars. Yeah, um, my son, sequel, my my son right now is obsessed with Cars. So mm-hmm. uh, we have a Lightning McQueen, a couple Lightning McQueen Matchbox cars. Uh, we have a Mater. We have mm-hmm. – um, so there's a, they put out a Cars on the Road series on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. and we got a pack of those cars, which was where one of the Lightning and the Mater came from. But it also comes with one of the, the cars that, like, changes the tires, you know? Okay. Um, and it comes with an airplane because there's an airplane in one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also a monster truck that appears in these various episodes of Cars on the Road, 
And so he had to get that, so we got that. And so he, like, will act out the scenes by, like, holding the cars up and moving them around. <laughs> um, and so I've watched Cars about four or five times in the last month. So uh, it still holds up, even after watching it that many times, back to back. I can say I probably watched it once in the past couple months. I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad. So yeah. you, you always just run through your Pixar movies. It's You're, you're feeling good. I mean, what is age? Yeah, it's you know I've heard a famous sage said age ain't nothing but a number. So mm-hmm. uh, I will stick with that. So I'm trying to. It's so it is really hard to get a top three. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think I'm gonna go. Gosh, oh, it's, I mean every Pixar movie is like an emotional wreck in one way or mm-hmm. the other. Um, but I think I will go. Two of mine, I think actually will be the same as yours. So I'm going to go Toy Story 3 uh, as number three. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go... No, actually, I'm only going to have one the same as yours. I'm going to go Up as number two. Ooh, Up is so good, too. The first ten minutes of Up are just like a whole movie in itself, and you're just like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know who these characters are yet, and I'm already bawling (laughs) as the old lady tries to walk up the hill Mm -hmm. and, and falls down, and you're like, I'm already done. I'm already done. Oh. Um, and then number one, Wally. Okay. I just think Wally is like a stunningly beautiful movie. You get hardly any dialogue for the first like three fourths of the movie, uh, and you're mm-hmm. still so invested. Uh, it's just absolutely, absolutely fantastic movie. Um, if I do, if I get an honorable mention like you, I would go probably The Incredibles, um, okay. just because. Great family movie, but also lots of action. Bit of a, a comic book movie, almost like a Fantastic Four. So, uh, really enjoy that one. Top notch. Hard to go wrong with most most Pixar movies. Although I will say, Toy Story two and Toy Story three are the only good Pixar sequel. Mm. That is my hot take of the day. I think that's fair. The only, I would maybe go Incredibles two okay. is okay. But it, it's nowhere near as good as the first one. Yeah, Monsters University wasn't as good as the original. No. We didn't mention Monsters, Inc. We didn't mention Nemo. Um, but yeah, Finding Dory, Finding not Dory near as good. Was, no, it didn't have the same heart to it. Um, Toy Story and, 4 and, is a decent movie, shouldn't exist. When you get a cat that looks real in a Pixar movie, <laughs> you've gone too far. Yeah, that cat oh. did look really real when it was stretching. And I would be remiss not to mention Inside Out. Yeah. Who would have thought that you would cry watching an imaginary elephant <laughs> dolphin thing just do the Thanos snap and wash away? Oh, poor Bing Bong. What oh. what a time for him. Who's uh, your friend that likes him? That was, yeah, that one That one is also rough. Um, so there we go. There's our top, top Pixar. Uh, maybe next time we'll go top three Marvel movies. Who knows? Maybe we just might go through every Disney-owned property. Um, so there we go. Um, it is a lot. They own pretty much everything. Um, so Purdue, as we said, had two games this week. Uh, first one was at home in Mackey against Nebraska. Purdue walked away 73-55. Uh, not particularly close in this one, which was great because, as we said on the last podcast, the first time these two teams met in uh, Lincoln, it went to overtime. And... Ryan, I believe you did the rap for both of these games this time. You had a pretty good headline for this game against Nebraska. I just want you to read it to the folks uh, if they have not seen it. 
Okay. For the Nebraska game, it is Purdue 73, Nebraska 55. The lawyer that owns Lincoln. Just top-notch work. Top-notch work. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, For those that don't get that reference, that is, of course, a reference to the movie The Lincoln Lawyer. Matthew McConaughey. All right. Does a great job. It is a good movie. It is a very good movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm required as a lawyer to like all movies that that contain lawyers. (laughs) There you uh, we, go. Atticus Finch is exactly, probably your favorite guy ever. Exactly. It's a little known fact that attorneys, we, we actually get money for every movie that uh, is about lawyers. So uh, that's why we promote them so heavily. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. That's why the American Bar Association exists. Uh, fair enough. I mean, so, I wish that could be like that for like sports fans. Yeah, if only. <laughs> we'll get a sports dividend. <laughs> so, I mean, as we said, this one, not much of a game, which was great because... Um, I think you look at this and you want to believe that Purdue is is over <laughs> Nebraska is overmatched and Purdue should handle them easily. Um, of course, it mm-hmm. didn't turn out that way the first time these two teams played, so that was a bit troublesome. Um, but in this one, Purdue, as I said, didn't really didn't really have much of a problem. Uh, as as noted in your headline, Fletcher Lawyer just absolutely dominated this game. Um, mm-hmm. Eight of fifteen from the floor, including six of twelve from three. Uh, he led the team with 27 points, uh, without a doubt, his best game of his Purdue career. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he he really got the he got the benefit of Zach Eady getting double and triple teamed yeah. all day. Yeah. So it was get the ball to Zach Eady. Zach Eady gets doubled or tripled. Get the ball back out to Fletcher Lawyer. He shoots. It, it was a simple concept today. I mean, Zach Eady only ended up with 12 points. He only put up seven shots. So, right. you know, it was an outside or an inside out game in this one rather than outside in. Yeah. And, and I mean, lawyers improvement as the season has gone on has made Eady's life so much easier because mm-hmm. it, Purdue has really struggled to find a consistent three point shot um, early on in the year. And now with lawyer, truly stepping up his game really since about the second half of the Ohio State game. Uh, it has just made everything easier for Edie. And, you know, for the rest of, of the team, you know, you've seen Braden Smith have good games because of it, uh, because he has more space as well. So when one person improves like that, it just makes it so much easier for everybody else. And, I mean, you know, Lawyer really was the star, but it, it's hard to look at a game, any game that Zach Edie appears in and not, point out what a difference maker he is I mean as you said he only had 12 points but he also had 13 rebounds four blocks one assist uh I mean he was he was four for five from the free throw line he was just an absolute beast as he is each and every game so far this year yeah foreshadowing to uh the next game yeah yeah so so um yeah it was just it was a nice time. Um, you saw Purdue at the end of the first half and into the second half just absolutely went on a tear. Mm-hmm. They went on a 17-0 run, and that's what did the game in. I mean, it was it was a close game at that point, and just that just broke the doors open. So Nebraska was kind of kind of held on at the end there. They kind of went one for one each time. The final margin was 18. So. But for Nebraska, it was really get the ball to Derek Walker and have Derek Walker go around Zach Eady. He kind of did some more or less circus shots, some spins mm-hmm. to get his shot up. 
And the other weapon they had was Keisei Tominaga. Yeah, again, again. You know, he played great the first time these two teams met in Nebraska. Yeah, he played a little bit of a pest role. At that point, it was pretty much garbage time. Yeah. He would hit a three. He'd hold his hand there. He made (laughs) the paint crew kind of annoyed. But, you know, there are worse things, and it's not like the final score was truly affected that much. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it as we were previewing this game, is I really like Tominaga, how he plays. I really love his energy and his enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And yes, obviously he's on an opponent, so I'm not going to root for him. Uh, But it's good to have other guys in the Big Ten who you don't like, who don't just drive you crazy, who it's fun to see Mm -hmm. succeed. So um, as long as he's not playing for Purdue, I hope he does well. But I mean, of course, in that game, he annoyed the crap out of me. You know, four for five from three. Uh, he was their second leading scorer coming off the bench. But you know, it it didn't really matter, as you said. It was in garbage time. Purdue was was up. You know, the whole time, very comfortable, no stress at all. Um, you know, it didn't have anything to worry about in this one, and it moved Purdue to five and one in conference play. Uh, they stayed atop the Big Ten conference, and really, you know, it looked like. Things were improving. Purdue really had nothing to worry about. So I assume today's game against Michigan State was more of the same, but we're going to take a break and cover that game when we get back. And we are back. So after a convincing victory at home against Nebraska, Purdue headed on the road to the Breslin Center in East Lansing, Michigan, to take on the Michigan State Spartans. And I know that Purdue had won something like five of the last six against Michigan State, but Going on the road to play at the Breslin Center is never easy. Playing in front of the Izone uh, in that environment can be tough on any team, let alone a young team like Purdue has. You know, two Mm -hmm. freshman starter guards. It could be tough, and it was tough. Uh, You know, Purdue Mm -hmm. had a 13-point lead, 24-11 to at one point in the first half, and then they went into halftime 27-25, to end up holding on 64-63, to this was one hell of a game, Ryan, and I know you wrote the wrap-up on this one as well, so can you kind of mm-hmm. walk me through the high points of this one? Yeah, so as you mentioned, Purdue was up 24-11, to 11, and all of a sudden something changed, and his name is Tom Izzo. <laughs> so I wasn't sure I wasn't sure if you were going to go with Izzo or if you were going to go with Walker there, but I'm interested to see where this goes. I have an idea. Well, yeah, so, well, Tom Izzo decided to beat Tom Izzo and absolutely just come at the referees and with about six minutes left in the first half. This was after a foul on uh, Matty Sissoko, and it was like a weird foul that they didn't call a foul, so it ended up being like a hook and hold on Zach Eady while he had the ball. So you can't really call a hook and hold when you have the ball. Right. So it it got called on Michigan State. Then Purdue would go down and get a uh, drive or yeah, a, like a driving basket. And Tom Izzo called the timeout and just had a meltdown. He went straight up to the refs, was in his face, and the ref just looked, you know, pretty scared of Tom yeah. Izzo. Yeah, and it's one of those that the you see it a lot. The refs kind of do like the thousand yard stare. Like, they'll just sit there, they'll get it in their ear, they'll let it go, and they're just, like, looking off as if nothing is happening. I don't know how they have the composure to do that, but anyway, continue. 
Yeah, well, something happens to them because that's <laughs> when the game changes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they may not react, react in that moment, but certainly something happens. So, I mean, after that play, just the whole uh, game kind of got flipped on its head. You saw some pretty awful officiating and in a big 10 saying, game yeah i know it's, i don't believe i don't believe you mm-hmm. there were about i don't know 10 or 11 plays you could point out um a couple just made no sense at all um like when you have two players hit the ball and you the call on the floor is one way and you take about seven minutes to review something it's obviously not conclusive if it takes that long. So instead, we're just going to call a jump ball. Yeah, so I looked up I looked up the rules for this. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's something uh, called simultaneous touch, where if that occurs and they determine that it was simultaneously touched, they go to the jump ball. However, to your point, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think there was definitive evidence that it was simultaneous touch. And mm-hmm. with, with the call on the floor being out on Michigan State to Purdue, I don't know how you can turn around then see that video with two or three different views and say, oh, it's conclusively indisputable evidence that it was simultaneous touch, go to the, go to the jump ball. But, man, exactly. that, that was almost – that could have been very consequential. Mm-hmm. So that was just one of the plays. I mean, Caleb first was a punching bag on rebounds today. Yeah. I mean, he was getting clotheslined, pushed everywhere. Pushed in the back a lot. Yeah, Joey Hauser was just taking him to the woodshed today. It was bad. And I think there was maybe one call on that. It It was awful. And the refs just let it go. So after Tom Izzo had his meltdown, that's when Michigan State got back into the game. Purdue was up by 13 at the time, and... Michigan State got to within two for half at the half. Yeah, and that and, was that was a bad three to four minutes of basketball for Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nothing was going in. They were they were making bad mistakes on offense, taking bad shots, and they just could not stop the MSU offense. Yeah, and they were missing wide open layups. Yeah, too. Purdue missed I mean, at at least three layups in the first half mm-hmm. on fast breaks. Um, I know Ethan Morton missed one. Uh, I think Braden Smith missed one as well on an assist uh, from Ethan Morton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there was one other that, that missed, but I can't remember who it was. Right. So, yeah, Purdue goes in half down by, or up by two. Then it's just a quick run by Michigan State to start the second half. It's yeah, I mean, they, they, took, they took the lead right away. And it, what mm-hmm. a gut punch. What a gut punch. Absolutely. Um, it took some... Real stones on Fletcher Lawyer. Oh my gosh! To take a transition or a breakaway three, <laughs> yeah. instead of a two, to tie the game at that. And wow, I mean, he had an open layup, but he took a three. And I guess for a lawyer, that is a layup. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, I mean, just as you said, the stones to have the wide open two, but just say nah. I'm going to go for the, the three-pointer to tie the game, and, and it just absolutely nails it. Uh, I'm, it was one of those plays I saw a lot of people on Twitter say, I was yelling at the TV, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, good good shot, good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, because yep. 
it's not really what you want them to do, but when it goes in, you can't argue with the results. I know Matt Painter was, when Carson Edwards was on the team, uh, he said he mm-hmm. had a few of those in his career where Carson would pull up and shoot the ball, and Painter's like, no, why do you do And then he goes in, and he's like, all right, good shot, good shot. I think there's more than a few in well, Carson yeah. Edwards' career. I, I, was, I was being generous. Yeah, I think there's a few a game for Carson yeah, Edwards. Yeah, that's true. You know, one thing about Carson Edwards, never afraid to shoot the ball. Yeah, and so that's starting to become Fletcher Lawyer. He yeah. only had three, uh, three three-pointers in this one, or attempts, I should say. But if he feels like he's got a shot, he will take it. And you kind of like to see that. I mean, you don't really see that from a freshman. No, no. Either. especially I mean, with the confidence that he has, it's just unheard mm-hmm. of. And all the while, he's playing with three fouls, too. So he picked up his third foul in the second half, and just Matt Painter rolled with him. He never got taken back out of the game, and it was clear why. Um, he was having such an effective night. Um, there was a point in this late in the second half where it was just back and forth, haymakers on both sides. Yeah, It was, on the Michigan State side, it was Tyson Walker. That's the only player who made a difference just with absolutely like eight minutes left. Killed Purdue. I mean, I don't even know... If anybody besides him scored in the second half, it felt like. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. that obviously that's not true, but that is how it felt. Just time after time down the court, nobody but Walker. Walker would get a screen. We'd try to, you know, get around the screen, go under the screen, go over the screen, and somehow Edie would wind up on him. And Edie, you know, great defender, uh, but not exactly the same foot speed as Tyson Walker. And Walker would just get around him, find the open spot on the floor, and just hit shot after shot after shot. And, man, it was disheartening. Yeah, he scored 19 of his 30 in the second half. Unreal. And he scored the final 12 points for Well, there you go. There you go. Oh. So, uh, yeah, it was back and forth. It was Tyson Walker on Michigan State side, and it was Zach Eady and Fletcher Lawyer on the other side. Yeah, and that really – uh, that really might have been the difference because Purdue mm-hmm. had two people who stepped up, whereas other right. than other than Walker, you know, they had points here or there. But as you just said, he scored their last twelve points. Um, you know, Zach Eady was absolutely dominant in this game, thirty-two and seventeen. Uh, thirty-two career is his high. career high, yeah. Um, yeah, and six of seven from the free throw line. So he he was just playing an incredible game. Thirty-six minutes. The guy continues to amaze each and every game. Uh, incredible stamina. He only picked up one foul in this entire game, which don't tell a Michigan State fan because they will be angry about it. But, man, did he look good. Actually, I don't think he picked up a single foul. He had one turnover. Oh, turnover. No I was looking at turnovers. Yeah, you are right. No fouls. Uh, just incredible. Just incredible. Yeah, and he took half the team's shots. He took 26 of Purdue's 52 wow. yeah. shots. Yeah, yeah. And, and he and, only made half of them. Imagine if he had hit five more. Yeah. It's an 11-point win. Yeah. I mean, Michigan State, what they did to Zach Eady today made him very out of his rhythm. What they did was they had a secondary defender come in, not when he initially got the ball, but after he started to dribble. Once he did that, he would have to take another dribble before he could either pass it out or go up for a shot. But at that point, your rhythm's completely off, and he's not doing his normal one-bounce and hook shot. Now it's a two-bounce and hook shot, and it really threw him off on some shots. Yeah. So a lot of his points came on really easy shots that were not his 
classic hook shot. Yeah, well, I mean, quite, he, he had quite a few dunks, that. too. Mm-hmm. Yep, quite a few lobs, and yeah, like you said, dunks on putbacks. He had, I mean, he scored a career high, and we're not even talking about him first. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. you know, Braden Smith had six assists. Purdue had 17 assists on 22 made baskets, and that is just crazy. Uh, crazy that, you know, they're they're being so unselfish with the ball. They're finding the open man. They're doing everything they can um, to get the best shot available. So uh, the second half was absolutely, you know, as you said, haymaker versus haymaker, back and forth, back and forth. And if you follow Ken Palm on Twitter, you saw that he told us that the last one minute of the game uh, took 21 minutes. 21 minutes to play out due to reviews, due to timeouts, um, and everything else. So, uh, Ryan, can you walk us through all of this the last you know minute or so of the game where the two teams traded baskets and just this outrageous finish? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in the last minute you had, I'll start with kind of the, I will start with some, a Zach Eady or a timeout after a Tyson Walker jumper. That's with a minute 42, and he had just made it 61 to 60. You have a couple missed shots from Purdue, a missed shot by Michigan State, and then eventually you get Fletcher Lawyer who gets to the free throw line. This is important because the entire is zone was going after Fletcher Lawyer the whole game. Yeah, and of course... One reason for that is his brother Foster had previously played at Michigan State before transferring to Davidson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so throughout the game they would just chant Fletcher or Foster's better. And He's not, by the way. All the while, Fletcher Lawyer is absolutely just draining each free throw he's hitting. He went five for five uh, at the end of the game, and most of them were in clutch time. Um, he had four made free throws in the last two minutes. So definitely that, clutch yeah. free throws. Just just ice in your veins at that point. Yep, just absolute splash. So um, Fletcher Lawyer gets to the free throw line, makes his two, so it's 62-61. And Purdue then is have, up at that point. Correct. With 32 seconds left, Michigan State takes the ball, and it is a high ball screen on Ty- or Tyson Walker. So he has kind of a Zach Eady and... Ethan Morton kind of hybrid guarding him. So both of them are going. He takes a step back jumper and it's just a splash. Yeah. So it is 63 to 62 at this point, Michigan state. Here's the weird part though. That's when they all, so Purdue takes the ball and is driving up the court. It looks like the Stanford band against Cal and no one knows who called the timeout. Yeah, I didn't know what happened there. The, neither did the announcers. The announcers were like, well, did Purdue take a timeout? Oh, I didn't see Matt Painter signal for a timeout. Maybe Izzo yeah. took a timeout. I don't know. Neither ended up taking a timeout. I think what they did was stopped it for the clock. To I review agree. the clock. Yeah. But they didn't mention that. So um, no one knew how many timeouts Izzo had or anybody had um, because – on the broadcast, they took one off of Purdue, then they gave it to Purdue, then they took one off of Michigan State, then they ended up giving it back to them. Yeah, well, and All they the didn't... more reason why. They didn't end up giving it back to them until Michigan State had called a timeout, and everyone mm-hmm. thought they had... Well, everyone who was watching thought they had right. zero, and you're like, well, that's a tech. You can't, you know, you can't do that. 
exactly. uh, you know, Chris Webber is rolling over in his bed. Um, and then suddenly <laughs> like, well, maybe that wasn't a timeout by Michigan State earlier. So they just kind of like washed over it. Yeah. So it was absolute just chaos going on. And Purdue had three men that were in the uh, opposite end of the court who were um, ready to like, who were setting up a play. Oh, yeah. I and mean, there was per- no, there was no doubt Purdue would have scored on that. If the if the mm-hmm. if the uh, refs had not stopped it, yeah. So there's just that chaos going on. They stopped the clock with about twelve, eleven or twelve seconds left. Eleven, yeah. I think eleven, even, yeah. So then Purdue draws up a play. It is a quick um, ball screen to Fletcher Lawyer. Fletcher Lawyer dumps it down into Zach Eady, and this is a long dump down, too. Yeah. Much longer than we're used to. Yeah, it was a great pass by Lawyer. Mm-hmm. It, um, so, someone broke down the play, too. They ran this against Ohio State, where there's a ball screen by Caleb First on the uh, weak side to pull a weak side defender away, so there's no weak side help. Okay. So, Zach Eady does a spin move after a dribble and just absolutely flush. Yeah. I mean, it, right it, in there. he, he was just inches away from the bucket at that point. And yeah. I mean, just an absolute high percentage shot, the exact shot you want in that circumstance at yeah. 2.2, I think left at that point. Right. Yep. They said two. they put it at 2.2 after another review, there were three more timeouts throughout, um, just alternating. But what happened was it was under the basket. Michigan State threw the ball three quarters of the court down, and it was deflected by Brandon Newman, who, if he didn't deflect it, it was going to Joey Hauser right. for a uh, you know, shot to potentially win the game. So he deflects it, and after deflection, it goes out of bounds, and somehow they only took .4 seconds off of the clock. Yeah, I, I don't The minimum under- is .3. I don't understand how that happened, because... He touched it just beyond the three-point line, and then mm-hmm. somehow, I first of all, they didn't start the clock on time. Nope. And, no, they did not. And second, there's no way you can tell me that it takes .4 seconds for a tipped ball to travel that far. Just unbelievable. Yeah. And again, it was another thing they reviewed, they looked at, they, they fixed the clock, whatever. It was another thing that ultimately really could have screwed Purdue. Mm-hmm. Yep. So because it was off of Newman, then you get Michigan State gets the ball in the front court. And it was a ball screen at the top of the arc to Tyson Walker. Well, first we traded timeouts again. We traded timeouts again. (laughs) Can't forget those timeouts that wasted another seven minutes. Yeah. Um, Yep. And then it was after drawing up some plays, after each team got to see what everyone else was drawing up, it was a Tyson Walker ball screen at the top of the key, and he got the ball. He caught, shoot, and air ball, and that was about it. He was guarded by Ethan Morton. It, The ball was off far enough to where you almost question if Morton got a finger on it. I don't think he did. I, think I, I don't think he did shoot. either, but. Yeah, just Tyson Walker is more of a dribble-and-shoot guy, not a catch-and-shoot guy. Yeah. That. In my opinion, so yeah, I think Purdue got pretty lucky there. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, I'm sure the the amount of time left obviously is part of it. Um, it's always mm-hmm. hard because you, if you're the player getting the ball, you have to make sure you get it off in time, but you want to get the best shot possible, and so you're, you know, 
you're trying to balance those two things. So it's a very tough situation to be in. Um, but he definitely uh, did not get the look that he wanted in that circumstance. It helped, too, to have a big guy like Zach Eady uh, guarding the inbound, so you can't exactly get the best pass available. Um, it, pretty right. difficult to to see around the seven foot four Zach Eady with his arms uh, spread out wide in front of you. Yeah, and it was almost in the exact same location that he had won the game last. Oh yeah. So you just you were starting to get a little bit of flashbacks in your head, but he missed and. Purdue squeaked out a win, and, you know, Breslin is not an easy place to get a win. No. So you will absolutely take it. Exactly, exactly. And so Purdue now 6-1 in conference, 17-1 overall. Uh, New rankings came out today. Purdue held firm at number three. Uh, Yep. But there there are two guys I think, you know, I I don't really like to dump on players, but we have to at least acknowledge that I think two guys had fairly bad games today. Um, mm-hmm. One is Trey Kaufman Wren. He mm-hmm. only played four minutes, wound up with two turnovers, three fouls. Anytime he, one of us, at least one of his fouls though was very bad call. Um, yeah, you know he he had an arm in the back of his defender, and they called him for an arm bar. But you know unless you get a second arm on him, it's really not something they're going to call. Uh, so Painter mm-hmm. let the refs have it on let on that one, but he he just looked disjointed. Um, Every time he got the ball, he was really struggling to kind of set anything up. So he, he's still yeah. trying to find himself against better opponents, and this just was not his best game. Yeah, and when you have Zach Eady playing 36 minutes, your minutes are obviously going to be eliminated, li- limited. And sometimes you just can't get into a rhythm. He, you know, he came in, he picked up two quick fouls, he was out. He came in again, picked up another foul, he was out. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, you can't really do too, too much with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a really uh, hard position to be in. And mm-hmm, I know he's going to sure. be a great fl- a great player for Purdue given time. Uh, but today, just it, it wasn't his night. So, um, yeah. you know, as much as we're definitely a bunch of homers on this podcast, you know, we got to be open about when someone has uh, a game that is forgettable or, or not their best. And to that end, as the lead uh, conductor of the Ethan Morton Express – I got to say, man, he really struggled tonight. He played 28 he minutes, 0 for 7 from the field, including 0 for 3 from 3. Um, did have three assists and a steal, um, but he, he got lost in uh, off his defender a couple times on defense. Um, you know, he was in charge of guarding Walker for a vast majority of that second half, and you can see he was just a, a step or two slow on numerous plays, and that allowed Walker to get open. And, you know... Again, I, I don't want to be too hard on our guys because Michigan State is a talented team. Walker is a talented player, so he's going to get his. But, man, mm-hmm. uh, when you see it happen over and over and over again, you have to wonder if Purdue just needed to do something differently. Um, Painter trusted in Morton, though, and left him out there and left him on that. But it was certainly not his best game tonight. And uh, Purdue was lucky to walk away with this one-point victory given how they had those lapses on defense. Uh, many of them from Morton himself. Yeah, and I think that's also somewhat of a product of Braden Smith getting into foul trouble. Braden Smith had four fouls by the end of the game, and he really couldn't cover Tyson Walker that effectively. I mean, it it was Braden Smith and Ethan Morton's job to cover Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard. Neither of those are an easy assignment. Yeah, that's tough. That's so, tough. 
Um, so you saw they were, or at least Ethan Morton just seemed to be gassed by the end of the game. I mean, he was running all up and down court and just everywhere on defense trying to catch up to these guys. And um, you wonder if it's like, I know some have speculated, okay, is he sick? Is he just tired or what? But Ethan Morton is one of those guys that just puts clamps on people. It was just a bad night. I mean, we'll see him back out there next game. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't turn into a trend. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope not. I got to win. That's right. A win's a win, no matter you know, no matter who had a good game or a bad game. So, um, right. as it happens after every victory or you know even defeat for Purdue, you see a lot of stats come out, a lot of things. I wanted to read you a couple things um, that were tweeted by either Purdue or ESPN or you know folks who follow these kind of stuff. So Purdue men's basketball tweeted: Boilers are five and zero on the road this season. Most wins on the road for a power conference team. Um, so that is going to look good on the resume come March. And ESPN, uh, Zach Eady and Tyson Walker, Walker scored 32 points and 30 points respectively in Purdue's win in East Lansing. Eady, the first Big Ten player over the last 25 years to have multiple 30-point, 15-rebound games in a season. So yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, those those two to me were just great. Um, and I, this is not something I can really uh, you know do justice to on the podcast. But make sure to head to the Purdue Basketball Twitter account. Um, they shared a couple of videos of what happened in the, in the huddle right before that last possession that showed, um, right before that last possession where Edie got that bucket, showing Painter drawing up the play, saying what they were going to do, and then they show Edie come back uh, to the huddle and uh, just yelling, and there is an F-bomb in there, so you know, cover your young, impressionable children's ears, but... Great to see the passion from from Painter and Edie in that clip. So uh, absolutely love that. So Ryan, who does Purdue take on next now that they sit at six and one alone in the conference, the only uh, only team in the conference with just one loss alone, all atop the Big Ten. Who who is coming up next on the schedule, uh, and where is that at? So next up is Thursday night. They get to go to the cellar of the Big Ten and go to the barn and play the Golden Gophers. Well, there we go. And, you know, they've they've played a lot better recently. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I they still hopefully, you know, seem a bit overmatched when they're going to be facing Purdue. Obviously a little better for them that we're going into the barn rather than Mackey uh, because, of course, mm-hmm. we played them earlier in the year. It was the first Big Ten game Purdue played. Uh, beat them 89 to 70. So I don't think playing away from Mackey is going to be a 19 point differential. Um, but we we hope that Purdue can jump up to seven and one in conference and just mm-hmm. you know continue to stay atop uh, the league. So anything else about these two games that you wanted to mention that we didn't get to talk to or talk about? Yeah, a couple things. Um, one, Matt Painter got his 400th and 401st. That's right. Win as a Big Ten coach, congrats to him. I mean, I'm sure he always listens to us. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. <laughs> congrats, Coach Painter. Um, it was great to see the paint crew back. Absolutely. For the Nebraska game, they were they were really going full force, especially against Tominaga. And I have to bring up the uniforms. The anthracite uniforms are probably my favorite uniforms that I've seen Purdue basketball play in. Oh, wow. Okay. So I absolutely love the charcoal gray. So here's the thing. 
I usually hate them. Not mm-hmm. these particular ones with the new design. But in the past, when Purdue basketball and Purdue football, when they do the anthracite or the gray or whatever, I mm-hmm. usually hate them. I loved them with these new uniforms. Yeah. They look, say... they look slightly different. I think the, the color of them is mm-hmm. slightly different than in the past. And whatever they've done to them, they look so much better this year than they did in the past. They're darker. Is that the, what it is? It's the light gray they used to have, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I did not like those. But the darker gray uh, popping with the gold, it's just – it's a perfect yin-yang going. And, oh, I really love black alternates, but dark gray is right up there too, and I love those uniforms. Yeah, I, I was really impressed. In fact, my, my brother – uh, as soon as the the tweet came out that they said, "Hey, this is what we're wearing for this game," my brother sent it in our group chat and said, "Uh oh, Andrew's gonna be mad." <laughs> I was like, "Actually, I think these are great." So, yeah, uh, whoever I don't know if you know, obviously they're Nike uniforms, but I don't know how much input Purdue had. But these are um, absolutely so much better than the arthritis ones they've done in the past. So kudos to mm-hmm. whoever worked on that. I do enjoy them quite a bit. Yep. Um. I had one other thing. Yes. 17-1 and one, Purdue. Unbelievable. Best start in 35 years. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've said it before on this pod, and, and I've written it on the website, and, and I've tweeted it out. This season is nothing like what I expected it to be. Um, I expected it to be a rebuilding year where we were going to be lucky to get in the, in the Big or in the Big Ten. In the NCAA tournament, maybe we'd win one game. I didn't expect anything like this, and mm-hmm. and this team and Matt Painter continue to surprise me. And at this point, I don't know why I ever doubt Matt Painter. Um, he just continues to show that he can evaluate talent better than nearly everyone out there. Um, getting guys like like Braden Smith, finding guys like Zach Eady, you know, are in the three hundreds or four hundreds, um, and just getting the most out of them. Um, I don't know if you heard uh, recently, it was in The Athletic, and then they talked about it on the broadcast, I believe, in the Nebraska game, about how um, Painter offered Braden Smith. Did you hear that um, anecdote? I did not, no. So uh, Purdue found themselves with an open scholarship after someone decommitted uh, from the program. And Painter's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, if I can find someone, I'll take him. So someone, I assume a recruiting coordinator, or one of the assistant coaches, whoever it may have been, uh, sent him tape of five guards and said, you know, these are the these are the five we think are the best available guards. You know, watch their stuff. Let me know what you think if we want to go after one of them or not. So he watches the tape of the five guards. One of them, obviously, Braden Smith. Um, he watches the tape. Braden Smith is the lowest ranked in all the recruits uh, that he looks at, mm-hmm. and he says, "Well, this guy's the best. Uh, why? I mean, he's the only one I want. Let's get him." And it's just such a great example of what Painter always talks about. You know, you've seen it in these press conference clips that have been resurfaced recently. You know, you, everyone, anyone can go out there and, and tell me who the top 10 players in high school are. But, you right. know, from, from 25 to 300, who really knows? And, exactly. you know, Painter knows so much more about basketball than any of us can ever hope to learn. And so when <laughs> he watches a tape on a guy like Braden Smith – along with these four other guards who were ranked higher than him and says, no, this guy's the best. At this point in his career, he trusts himself that he's right. 
and goes after that guy that he wants rather than what he would have done, you know, maybe back in the Rafael Davis years when Purdue wound up last in the Big Ten, he maybe would have gone after the guy who was higher ranked um, right. and wound up with a guy who didn't fit his system. But he trusts himself. He goes after Braden Smith, gets Braden Smith, and, you know, we can see it paying dividends now. So that is an absolutely wonderful story and shows just where this Purdue team is, I think. Um, recruiting rankings be damned. And that was during COVID, right? Because he yep. couldn't see people yep. in person? Yep, exactly. Could only watch him on tape. Couldn't watch him in person. Okay, maybe I did catch the tail end of that on the broadcast then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it helps that Matt Painter is in, you know, one of the mecca of basketball. Right, right, yeah. So he's got definitely his uh, options open to him. And, and heck, Matt Painter's one of those guys who's not afraid to go across the sea to find someone either. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He'll oh, go up to Canada. Just, he'll go out to Europe. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's exactly. got a he's got a good credit card with frequent flyer miles, so he should be all right. <laughs> so there we go. Oops. There we go, folks. Purdue two and zero this week. Six and one in conference. Top of the Big Ten. Uh, couldn't believe it if you would have told me this, you know, a couple months ago. But here we are. Um, and. Next game is going to be against Minnesota. Uh, we're probably going to hold off on the next pod since, um, you know, we don't want to do one on Wednesday. They would, you know, have nothing to cover. So we may wait until um, Thursday or even Friday. But rest assured, we will come back at you later in the week uh, to cover that game and look ahead to the rest of the schedule. So uh, for Ryan and myself, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun to do this, and we love to interact with all you Boilermakers. So thanks so much for listening. Boiler up. And we're down. Hey.